I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. We're super pleased to have back on the program today, Sydney Shorter. She's the president and CEO of the Utah Black Chamber. Sydney, welcome back. Thank you so much, Boyd. Great to be here. We're making this a great habit. It is a good habit and a, and a great weekend rolling into Juneteenth. So many things happening and so many things going on. Uh, the Black Chamber recently hosted an event that I thought was really significant, talking about the black wealth gap in Utah. Tell us about the event and what did we learn? The event was a webinar, and we were fortunate to have uh, many folks on listening uh, with myself, Zach Smith from here in Utah, and Christian, I cannot pronounce his name, uh, but he is an amazing wealth advisor who is partnered with uh, Zion's Bank as well. It was a very well-rounded conversation coming from, you know, a wealth advising standpoint, from a black chamber, from a black business standpoint, and to talk about the racial wealth gap. Yeah. So let's get into that. What What is the gap uh, specifically here in the state of Utah? Well, in the state of Utah, it is significant because wealth here, this is one of the states that has the highest wealth presence in the U.S., right? But you also look at we are in a state with some of the lowest numbers from a black standpoint, right? So that gap is very vast. But what I can say is that although you see that disparity from a black perspective, the majority of black people here do well, but not well comparatively, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. for the wealth, the significance of wealth that's in this state. Yeah. And so what are some of the things that are that are driving that gap right now? One of the things, and we spoke about this before, especially from a business perspective, there's that access to affordable capital to really grow your business and remain in business to be sustainable. You also have the housing market that I believe is hitting everyone. But also you look at we have more black women than men in the state of Utah. And you know that there has been this this effort to address the pay disparity between male and female. And so you layer on top race. And so then you look, that gap is just a bit bigger. Mm. And so what are some of the things that we can get at in terms of uh, obviously, the, the access to capital as it relates to entrepreneurs and small business owners are, is a real crucial one that we've got to get right. Uh, I think we have to just get that one right anyway. Uh, but what else should we be looking at uh, in terms of ways to close that gap? 
I think one of the things is starting with with education, because one of the things that we recognize here in the state of Utah is there is an issue around retention of black talent. Having that focus on education to really build a pipeline and pathway to cultivate the talent that's here and give us a better position from a competitive standpoint that they'll choose to stay here because we've made that investment, we've cultivated and created those pathways to ensure that they can enter the workforce and address it in that way. Because if we don't, we'll continue to see what we're seeing now. For example, as I understand it, pre-pandemic, the Black population was at 2%. Now we're at about 1.2. As you look at how we do that to me, it is up to businesses to figure out how to attract, train, and retain uh, that mm-hmm. that talent, especially uh, in the black community. Uh, as as you mentioned, that that uh, exit uh, from pre pandemic to where we are now, uh, part of that I think is that we haven't been able to do that as a community. There hasn't been that connection. Uh, there hasn't been that commitment from business uh, to make sure that we're really doing that in a powerful way. Any other thoughts in terms of how we ought to accelerate, uh, really, as you said, that education uh, to make sure we can attract, train, and retain so that uh, people in that community feel like they, they have a path uh, that with upward mobility and opportunity uh, and all of those things? Well, I have to say with a bit of enthusiasm, Boyd, that I see that work already happening. There are organizations, there are foundations, some of the the school systems are really focused on how to really attract and educate those minorities that tend to fall between the cracks, right? But there is with intention um, organizations, especially around technology. So I feel very confident that we're considering the right strategies. We're implementing the right uh, strategies to be able to get there. And, of course, it takes time. But if we're deliberate and we're determined and we're focused on what we're doing as a collective, I believe that we all will get there. And really what we have to, to also look at, and this is a focus of the chamber, is that, you know, the health of small businesses really give the true insight of how well your community is doing absolutely from an economic standpoint. We know that that is the driver. So that's why there's really so much focus on small business. And there are, you know, there are banking institutions in the state that are very stellar focused on making those things happen. So by like, I continue to believe that the, uh, it's the small businesses that, that really, uh, drive democracy and and promote freedom, not just here, but around the world. And Sydney, one of the things that that I have loved about your time, even though it's been short as president and CEO of the Utah Black Chamber, is it's just how intentional you have been, how strategic you've been in terms of what you're doing. And and obviously everyone celebrated last night. If you were a a Golden State Warriors fan, uh, the the Boston Celtic fans are in, in a little bit of mourning today. But we also know that Utah's uh, already looking forward uh, to February of next year when the NBA will come to Utah for the All-Star Game. And you're already thinking about that with great intention uh, in terms of that message. Tell us about that. I'm a girl from Louisiana. spend a lot of time in New Orleans, right? And New Orleans is a place that is uh, a great attraction for many large events. 
So participating in the NBA's All-Star Weekend has oftentimes been a highlight of my time there. And as in that I anticipate will happen here in Utah, is that there will be significant numbers of black people in Salt Lake City for that game. And one of the things that I want to ensure is that the real work that's happening here around DEI, how we're really moving the needle, how organizations are intentional and on purpose looking at their cultures, looking at how they are structured, and the work that is going on with the chamber and the numbers of partners that are coming to the table to ensure that black small businesses do well. That is the narrative that we need to make certain is elevated because we know that we will have a national spotlight on us and we have an opportunity now to collectively and in partnership elevate the great work that is going on and that is what needs to be talked about. That's what needs to be seen because it's happening and we have to take ownership of that We have to control that narrative ourselves, but we have to be more thoughtful about it. We need people like you to give us that voice, to talk about the work that we're doing, because it's evident. But it's only evident here. Beyond Utah, we know what the voice will be for us, and we should be our own voice. I'm really tired of the how many black people are in Utah. It's eight, and now it's nine with you, Sydney. And it's not the number, it's really the impact of what's happening. Yes. And the intentionality around relationships, the intentionality around really being focused on a common goal. And it's happening. And we need to, right now, put on the accelerator, prepare ourselves for the narrative that we want this nation to highlight during that weekend and beyond, because it's the truth of what's happening here. It's what drew me here. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Sydney Shorters, the president and CEO of the Utah Black Chamber. We're looking forward to that February uh, All-Star Game and a chance to really tell that story. And we appreciate the the great intentionality uh, and the great energy and power you've uh, brought to our community and the entire state. Uh, we're glad you're here. We'll, we look forward to having you back on the program real soon. Thank you again, boy. Great talking to you. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. Final thoughts coming up on a Friday. Stay with us. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.